Good morning, everyone. Welcome again to our online service. We are glad that you have joined us today. We are glad to be able to be together like this today. I want to express our appreciation to the team who plan and produce these services week after weeks for many months now, and undoubtedly for a few more months to come. We appreciate their efforts, and we're grateful to at least be together in this way from Sunday to Sunday. It certainly is a crazy holiday season. Christmas is less than two weeks off. Mary Lou and I realize that although this is the 52nd Christmas we have spent together as a married couple, it is the very first Christmas that we will be only the two of us together. No family, uh, just the two of us. We are grateful. We really enjoy being together. And uh, we'll create some new Christmas traditions, perhaps. One of them may be uh, being able to sleep a little later on Christmas morning than usual. I re somewhat reluctantly and gently threw out the idea of maybe not having a Christmas tree since there were just the two of us. And uh, that fell flat pretty quickly. And I'm glad because we are enjoying our tree. Uh, you can see it here. I'm glad to publicize it uh, since I'm not sure anybody else will be in our house uh, over this holiday season. But uh, Merry Christmas. A bit of Christmas trivia slash Bible trivia. How many wise men went to see Jesus? How many wise men? Now, the quick answer generally is three. That may or may not be right. Because there were three gifts given, most people assume that means there were three wise men, a gift from each. But all the Bible says is wise men. So that just means more than one. So how many wise men were there? We don't know. All right, let's get to our topic today. God is wise. God is wise. That is such an obvious statement. That's like saying the sun shines, the sky is blue, water is wet. God is wise. It is still hard for us completely to fathom and appreciate the wisdom of God. <clears throat> As Paul wrote his amazing letter to the Romans, about two-thirds of the way through, he simply has to stop and acknowledge the wisdom, the greatness of God. In Romans chapter 11, beginning of verse 33, Paul inserts what some think perhaps was an early hymn, but Paul says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments, his paths beyond tracing. Who's known the mind of the Lord? Who can be his counselor? Paul said the wisdom of God has a depth and of a riches beyond our understanding. God is wise. 
we think about that first of all, I think, and, and as we think about the Bible, God's revelation of himself, of his heart, of his perspective, God's wisdom. There is no book like the Bible. The ancient words that change you and change me, as we've just sung, the words of life, the Bible, there's no book like it. Over the centuries, critics, skeptics have tried to tear it apart, tear it down, discredit it. They've been unable to do it. And even people who don't necessarily believe in God acknowledge that the principles presented so often are almost beyond comprehension in their wisdom. The Bible shows the wisdom of God. Creation shows the wisdom of God. Uh, Paul expressed that at the beginning of his Roman letter, that we're without excuse in acknowledging God because of things he's created. God is wise. His word makes us wise. But what does God is wise mean for us right now, today, in 2020, practically? I think two things. First, God is wise means safety and security. But also, God is wise requires surrender and submission. God is wise brings safety and security. I love cars. I've always loved cars. When I was a little boy, I loved toy cars. As I went into elementary school, middle school, I made dozens and dozens and dozens, literally, of model cars from the model car kits that used to be marketed uh, back then. I love cars. We also have lived many places. And one of the first things I've always done when we've moved to a new place was to scout out a good, reliable, honest mechanic who not only did good work, but was trustworthy. When we lived in Queens, I found a guy in a little place near Atlantic Avenue in Richmond Hill. Took my car there several times. He did a great job. When we lived in Brooklyn, down Washington Avenue, near Atlantic Avenue, not too far from our apartment, I found a place I trusted. They did good work. They didn't try to do something that I didn't need. We moved over to Staten Island. There was a garage on Bay Street. Again, I trusted them. They did a good job. Didn't overcharge me. Actually, they breathed life into an old car and kept it running far beyond its expiration date on more than one occasion. Now that we've lived here in New Jersey for uh, more than 15 years, I am a patron of Mike's Automotive in Booton, where we live. I trust Mike. He doesn't do something I don't need. He does a good job with what I do need. Our two old cars, uh, one's 11 years old, one is 13 years old, so he keeps rejuvenating them and uh, causing us to be able to keep them a while longer. Why do I need a good mechanic whom I trust? Well, as I'm sure you figured out, there's an obvious answer. While I love cars, I don't know anything about working on cars. I've never wanted to know anything about working on cars, really. When we were young and uh, actually cars were 
much simpler and easier to work on. The couple of times I tried to fix something myself, I made whatever situation it was drastically worse. And I had to end up taking it to the mechanic anyway. And it cost me more that way because he had to fix and undo what I'd done. I have no problem recognizing, admitting that I am not wise when it comes to mechanical aspects of automobiles. So I, I have safety and security right now from knowing Mike at Mike's Automotive. I'm sure you get where we're going with this. If we're willing to admit that we're not wise in our own eyes, and there are a number of parables uh, that remind us of that, then we can acknowledge that there is safety and security in the wisdom of God. There's safety and security in the storms of life as we are building our houses on the rock of God's word and God's will. And as I think about life, as I think about the things that we are experiencing now in these uncertain times, how can I deal with the worries of life and the unknowns of life? How can I set and maintain my priorities? How can I be a good husband, a good father, a good brother to people? How can I get along with people, even Christians with whom I may not see eye to eye sometimes. How do I live life with safety and security? It's by following the wisdom of God. I referred to a parable a moment ago from the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the wise and foolish builders. Uh, some of us grew up singing a little song about the wise man and the foolish man building their houses upon the rock. I think they still sing it in children's ministry several generations later. The wise man heard the word and acted on it. The issue was not acknowledging the wisdom of what was heard. The issue was surrender and submission. I doubt any of us would question the wisdom of God on one hand. I doubt that we would say to ourselves, I just don't think God knows what he's talking about. I don't think God can handle the situation I'm going through. The challenge comes when following God's wisdom means obedience, surrender, submission to things sometimes that seem counterintuitive to my way of thinking, God's wisdom means like that wise man, I hear the word and act on it. And that is not always easy. Especially when God calls us to do something we don't want to do, to believe something that's difficult, to act in a way we don't want to act, to handle things Perspective situations in a way that's contrary to our background, to our experiences. 
God's wisdom brings me safety and security, but only as I surrender and submit to it. Well, how do we get God's wisdom? For one, we pray. We pray for it. We ask him. That's James chapter 1, verse 4, isn't it? If you lack wisdom, ask God. He will give it to us. Secondly, as we've mentioned, wisdom comes from God's word. Here's where in black and white he has revealed to us his heart, his perspective, how we can live successfully in this life. Psalm 19, 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, making wise the simple. As Paul talked about the inspiration of the word, he says, you know, the Holy Scriptures make us wise for salvation. Praying, listening to the word, obeying the word make us wise. Seeking help from wise spiritual people help us to have God's wisdom. Oh, there's so many proverbs about that, aren't there? The way of a fool Seems right to himself, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs thirteen twenty: He who walks with the wise grows wise. Many times I've had to be reminded again that a spiritual wise person most likely will see me and my situation and what I'm facing or dealing with more objectively than I do. We grow wise by listening to the wise. Well, are we wise? Are we wise this morning? The Bible gives us a little test, actually. James, whom we believe to be the uh, half-brother of Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph, has such a practical little book inspired by God of how we live, how we get along. And James talks about God's wisdom versus the world's wisdom. And as we read this, I have to ask myself, which really characterizes me? James uh, chapter 3, and beginning in verse 13, the Bible says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by the good life, by deeds done in the humility of that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. James says, do you know how you know whether you are letting God's wisdom rule your life? It's essentially how you view and treat the people around you. That's sobering, isn't it? God is wise. 
His wisdom brings us security and safety. It involves our surrender, submission, listening to him, acting on it. You know, back when cars had real bumpers, there used to be a bumper sticker that said, wise men still seek him. That's true. We are wise if we are seeking to follow Jesus, to live our lives as he did, to imitate his love, his compassion, his humility. And you know, as we take communion, perhaps there's no other demonstration of how God's wisdom sometimes differs from our wisdom in startling ways. As Paul wrote the church in Corinth, he said, you know, the cross is foolishness. The cross isn't wise to the world. Why would God give his son to rescue us, redeem us from our sins? It makes no sense. But God's wisdom created us to be like him, to be, in some respects, to be free to choose, decide, and knowing that we would make the wrong choices and the wrong decisions He offered the ultimate sacrifice of his son for us, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who shows God's wisdom and his love. God's wisdom makes us safe and secure. We've got to surrender and submit to it. But God's wisdom is shown beyond a shadow of a doubt as is his love in the cross and his giving of the Lamb of God to free us from sin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your incredible wisdom. We know that we can't fully comprehend it. We're so grateful that in wisdom you saw our need for a Savior, for salvation, for forgiveness, for your Spirit to be able to live within us. Thank you for giving your Lamb, the pure, unblemished, sacrificial Lamb to die for us so that we can be forgiven. Thank you for his body and bless us as we take the bread and remember it. Thank you for the cup. Thank you for his blood. Thank you that in your wisdom you offer us salvation and a future with you in heaven. Bless us as we remember Jesus at this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.